Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Indignant. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, and I'm coming to you live from Metal Arc's LA Studios. If you're not watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you are, you're laughing. Indignant, that means feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. We've all felt indignant. We've all acted indignant, and yesterday we got a show, and it was quite a show by Brian Cashman. The level of indignant that he showed, epic. Now let me give you the scenario under which he showed that indignant behavior. He was at the GM meetings. He's been to the GM meetings since 1996. They come right after the World Series. They're always in November. They're at a hotel. Let me set up how it works. The GM meetings are in a big hotel, and every GM gets a suite. The rankings of the suites are according to how long you've been the GM of that particular team. Not your seniority of being a GM, period, but how many years you've been with your current team. So David Stearns, as the president of baseball operations, and that counts as GM, that's really what we mean. We should rename it. It's really the president of baseball operations meetings. But David Stearns was just named, so he's last on the list. So he gets the smallest suite. The largest suite belongs to the GM who's with the longest tenure, and that's Brian Cashman. And they bring along their assistant GMs, their player development people, generally four or five people depending on budget. And it used to be a time when agents would descend upon the GM meetings sometimes players, but mostly just agents, media, and deals got done and talked about between teams because it was one of the few times, there were three times during the course of a season when GMs, again, I'm going to use GM instead of present baseball ops because it takes a shorter period of time to say it, when they'd be in person. One, everyone would go to the All-Star game. Two, everyone would go to the World Series. Three, everyone would go to the GM meetings Four, everyone would go to the winter meetings. Those are the four times, but World Series, not everybody, but mostly everybody, not anymore, of course. So it was at least three, sometimes four. And that's the only time that these people ever were in the same room. And what you do is you set up your agenda because you're talking trades. So you stay in your room and then you make meetings with other teams. If you're the Marlins and you want to do a trade with the Dodgers, you call up the Dodgers and say, hey, let's meet. And then you negotiate, are we going to come to you or are you going to come to us? And they would, if you're the visiting team, you walk through the lobby 
up in the elevator to wherever that team's GM suite is because you've got a list with the numbers. You walk in. When you walk into a GM suite, there's a sitting room where there's a big board that has a bunch of stuff written on it. And the board always gets turned around or moved to another room because no one wants the other teams to see what they're writing or what they're thinking. And so you sit down, you have a meeting, and then you leave. And then it became obvious that you didn't need to do this anymore because all the GMs text and they FaceTime. So the purpose of the GM meetings is what? The purpose of the winter meetings is what? It's the minor league winter meetings. We'll talk about them when they come in December. But for major league GM meetings, it's so baseball can meet with all of them once a day, once over the three days or two days. It is a complete waste of money because the purpose, which was a noble purpose to get teams together in the same room to get action, has gone away. But what hasn't changed is that every GM must be available to the media every day. And it's completely scheduled. It looks like a scrum, which is when a bunch of people are standing up. That's the difference between a scrum and a press conference. Press conference, generally, you're sitting at a table with a microphone. Sometimes you're Steve Cohn, and you're sitting on a stool in front of a bar table. But those are press conferences. A scrum is when you're either standing or sitting, and a bunch of people come up with tape recorders or microphones. They put it in your face, and they start asking you questions. Every team has a scheduled time to meet the media every day. And the local media covering that team uses part of its budget, comes out, meets their GM, so they have articles to write and tweets to send. The national media gets to choose who they want to go see. And every once in a while, you have GMs who actually say something that is worth discussing on Nothing Personal. And yesterday was like Christmas which it shouldn't be because A, it's November 8th, but B, the GMs are with their PR people and the PR people are going through with the GMs what we're gonna say because the GMs don't even wanna meet the media, but we've gotta give the media something so we tell the GMs, here's what we're gonna talk about, make it as vanilla as you want, don't get into it with them. There's no reason at all, stick to your message. Brian Cashman had a very hard time. Brian Cashman is on tilt. You have to go back and think about where the Yankees are. The Yankees are coming off a season in which not only did they not make the playoffs, but they were fighting just to have a winning record. Then they've got articles galore since the end of the season about their owner, Hal Steinbrenner, who is rumored to be doing all sorts of things like hiring outside companies, analyzing what's going on inside the Yankees, impugning the job that all of the employees are doing, talking about the difficult meetings they've had and the come to Jesus meetings they've had. Get rid of Cashman, get rid of Boone, do something. Well, one thing they're going to do today, they're going to wish Giancarlo Stanton a happy birthday. 34 today. Gee, happy birthday. I remember when you were a second round pick in 2007. Can you believe how long ago that was? Not a young man anymore. You've developed into a Hall of Famer, and it's been a pleasure. Happy birthday, G. So Brian Cashman meets the media yesterday, and it took about a minute for him to start showing anger or annoyance 
at what he perceived as unfair treatment. And it was based on the rumors that are going around in the media that somehow the Yankees are too analytically based. And it offends the senses of an old school general manager to the point where Cashman actually had to say that no one is doing their deep dives. They're just throwing bullshit and accusing us of being run analytically. Think about why he would say that. Teams are now fighting to be the smartest. They're hiring GMs, and you'll hear from some later, first-time GMs, very analytically based, never actually have run an organization. It becomes offensive to the older GMs who are not getting opportunities. It becomes offensive to the older GMs and managers who believe that there's a whole part of baseball that is gone now, and that is using your eyes and not just your fingertips. There's a whole school of people, and it's called old school versus new school, but that's absolute horse hockey. It shouldn't be that. It is what is the best way to win as many games as possible, and the answer is analytics are a part of that, but they're not the whole story. And any team that tells you they're just doing one or the other is not being forthcoming with you, although some owners are absolutely seduced by analytics. It's hard not to be seduced by analytics when you're John Henry and all of your money was made through analytics. Go look at what he does and what his hedge funds do. It's all numbers-based, all analytics. There's no emotion. But Brian Cashman needed you to know that the Yankees have the smallest analytics department in the entire American League East. And I'm thinking, that's not something to be proud of. If you want to be best in class, I want you to have the best analytics department, the largest analytics department. And then Cashman said, but we've got the most pro scouts and the largest pro scouting department. Good. You should. I was in baseball still when the Toronto Blue Jays fired all of their pro scouts. They just eliminated them all at once. I don't know if they've hired some of them back, but they just decided we're done. We don't need it. We've got numbers. We've got reports. We don't need people flying around the country. It was like Anna Kendrick and up in the air. I got a better idea. We'll fire people over Zoom. So Brian Cashman wasn't done when he was talking about analytics. He wanted to talk about his people. And he wanted to make sure that you understood that the people he surrounds himself with on the baseball side are really good people. Because he wants you to recognize that it's not him. That the reason that they're not good or the reason why people perceive they haven't developed players or the reason why people feel they've done bad trades and you can talk about Donaldson, you can talk about Sonny Gray, you can talk about Joey Gallo, you can talk about all the players who didn't make it. Except Brian Cashman wants you to know they did make it, just not with New York. So he'll talk about Sonny Gray being a Cy Young finalist. He'll talk about Joey Gallo getting his act together once he was traded and becoming part of a playoff team. But what he's not telling you is as a president of a team, we evaluate that fact negatively toward our GM. We don't take the excuse, hey, this is a very common excuse, by the way, that is given for the Yankees. It, it was done with Carl Pavano way back in the day. Oh, it's happened with so many players. They're not good in New York. They can't perform in New York. 
and that excuses their poor play in New York when they go on to play better elsewhere. With all the players I've had who have been better when they've been traded versus when they were with us, Brad Hand, Andrew Miller, off the top of my head, I can give you 20. Is that because they couldn't play in Miami? Or is it because we didn't put them in the right position to win? They weren't ready to play well or weren't ready to win when we had them? I can't exonerate myself from responsibility of player development, of scouting, of signing free agents because the players are good after the fact or before the fact. I'm judged for during the fact. But Brian Cashman doesn't want you to judge that. He wants you to judge the players in their entire career. He wants you to judge the Yankees over the entirety of his tenure, which has been fantastic. 98, 99, 2000, 09, four rings. Four rings. Not too shabby. They won in 96. That may have been his first year. He may have his fifth ring. Cash may have five, Coca. You're talking about Hall of Fame credentials. A normal GM who hasn't won a World Series in the last 14 years from 2009 to 2023, is that a GM that automatically would get fired, get thrown away? When the Yankees have made consistent playoff appearances, they've gone deep into the playoffs, they just haven't been back to the World Series or won it. What makes you think that Brian Cashman is not still capable? What makes Brian Cashman think that he himself is not still capable? This is what was in my head. As a member of the media, I'm calling for the end of Cashman and the, or the end of Boone because I felt Steinbrenner needed to do something. He needed to satisfy his fan base. So instead of firing Cashman or Boone, he meets the media himself, which he doesn't do often. He goes, he's going on more shows, which he doesn't do often. And he acknowledged something yesterday that made me very worried if you are a Yankee fan. He was talking about his team and talking about his relationship with Aaron Judge. And he kept mentioning the different things that Aaron Judge and Hal have done together this offseason. It's as though Aaron Judge is now a special consultant to Hal Steinbrenner. Aaron Judge needs to be a healthy player for the Yankees earning his contract that he signed last offseason. Aaron Judge does not need to be spending the offseason interjecting himself into the Yankees' business. But the reason why it's happening is that Hal Steinbrenner promised Aaron Judge, hey, just don't sign with the Giants, sign with us. And I promise we are going to groom you. You're going to be the captain. And when you're the captain, it doesn't mean you only work from February to October. That means that you're with us in the offseason and we're going to talk to you about the price of hot dogs and the size of our outfield walls and whether or not we should keep our man. Manager, it's incredible. And it's not that I'm saying players aren't capable of being helpful or giving their opinions. No. But to publicly put out there that that's what you're using a specific player for is a big mistake. So Steinbrenner goes out and acknowledges, I spoke to players. I asked them about Aaron Boone. I spoke to former GMs and asked them about Aaron Boone. And guess what? Aaron Boone is returning. Because the former GMs and the players were not going to throw Aaron Boone under the bus. I'm trying to think of the last time that I asked a player about a manager and the player said, you know what, I'd get rid of him. It's the opposite. 
it's when you fire a manager or say you're going to fire a manager, the players always defend the manager because they never want to be known as a player who is going against their own manager ever, even off the record. Getting an honest appraisal of a manager from a baseball player is extremely difficult. So then Steinbrenner said, I wasn't just done talking to Judge. I also talked to former players like Andy Pettit and Nick Swisher. What did they know about what's going on? And I'm not saying they're not smart people or good people. I'm trying to understand how you discern who to listen to when you're the owner of a team. And the point is owners listen to the most random, most interesting, strangest people who end up getting their ear and decisions then get made, which just shows that there is no actual plan. It's mayhem. It's anarchy. It's anyone who can get a relationship with the owner all of a sudden has sway over the owner. If you are a Yankee fan and you look out there and you hear yesterday that Hal Steinbrenner has 40 pages of notes from the end of season meetings and that he is really getting to the bottom of what happened. And he then says, there's going to be some big changes. There's going to be changes, he said, that some people might not consider significant, but Judge and I may because we're doing this every day. All I keep thinking is, uh-oh, it seems like that ship is sinking. Cashman, indignant. Steinbrenner, insane. Judge, involved. Stanton, celebrating. So we're going to go right to a Yankees wait to see before we get to what some of the other teams did because there were some GMs talking. Let's make it official, and I'm sorry to do this to all the Yankee fans out there, and I know that it's a big part of our audience, and I appreciate you, and I don't want you to panic, but you're not going to be in the ALCS this year. There's too many other good teams in the American League, and this is without knowing where Otani's going, except he's not going to the Yankees. So no ALCS for the Yankees in 2024. You can book it. I'm sorry. I may be wrong if I am. I'll tell you that today, November 8th, was the day that the music died. So when you are a team heading into the GM meetings, you have your plan in place. You can't go to the GM meetings without your budgeted payroll, so you know exactly what you're able to spend. You know exactly what your arbitration-eligible players are going to make. You have a range you expect we, we would take our arbitration eligible players and we'd middle them in order to make our payroll prior to arbitration. So we take what we would assume their filing number is, what we know our filing number is going to be, and we pretend that we win half and lose half and we take that number as our payroll, as, as plugged into those players. And we have the budget from the owner, we've worked it out with the CFO, and we talk to our GM and say, okay, go to the GM meetings, your payroll is 100, let's say. Then the GMs come back to us with how they're going to spend it, what makes the most sense. And going into it, we have full knowledge of each player and what we think their value is. So we'll go through every free agent from Otani to Bellinger, all the top free agents to all the free agents who won't get multi-year deals to all the guys who will sign those special minor league deals where you, it's a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, which means they don't take up a 40-man roster spot. And if they make the team, they make like a million bucks or a million and a half dollars. There were a couple guys on Texas like that who now have rings. But in any case, you have 
plugins for those players because you haven't identified them yet. So you'll have minor league free agent in your payroll and you may have a spot that says fourth outfielder and a budget for 1.5 million. You may have an opening for a fifth starter and according to your budget, fifth starter, 10.0 million. And then you have a board which has every player who's a free agent and then trade targets. They're called acquisition targets and you have them listed with what their salary is. And what you start at the GM meetings is going through all the different iterations, speaking to all the teams as you put your jigsaw puzzle together. But meanwhile, you have to be talking to the media because they're demanding it and it's part of the game. So let's go through a couple teams. The biggest star of the meetings is Shohei Otani. That's fairly obvious. He's the biggest free agent, the number one story of the offseason. Where's he going to sign? And rumors are everywhere. It's starting with, hey, you know, it's definitely not the Angels, though I still think it could be. The Dodgers are the favorite. And then it comes out, pay attention to the Cubs. Pay attention to the Red Sox. Don't forget the Rangers. And what about the Jet? Uh, Four eight sixty nine. What about the Mets? You can't count them out. And those San Francisco Giants, they're pretty pesky. Maybe they'll have an opportunity to sign Otani. So all of these different teams are in on Otani. And I told you, depending on the contract, if you're only paying him to be a hitter and you don't have to compensate him up front for being a pitcher and you give him an opt-out after one year, any team would be in. Any team will fit Otani in on a one-year $30 million or $45 million deal. You'd be insane not to do that. So forgetting the fact that everyone's possible, the main teams at play, Angels, when you're going into the offseason and you know that you've got Mike Trout signed, you still have Rendon, you still haven't won 81 games, you still haven't played in a playoff game or won a playoff game, you've got the largest drought in all of baseball, what do you do? You send out your GM and you manage expectations. So Perry Manazian is the GM of the Angels and he met the media and said, hey, Otani's a great player. We'll see how the offseason develops. We've got our plan, and we're going to try and execute that plan, and we'll see where everything goes. The reason I laughed at that is that the Angels' plan is waiting for Otani, praying that Otani resigns, praying that Otani gives them the option to match whatever the largest deal is out there. And then recognizing that they're not going to spend all the money on other free agents that they would have spent on Otani and that it will be a pivot if they don't get him. So he is basically in limbo. He can't spend money on Bellinger or sign extra pitching. He can't do anything until he knows what's going to happen with Otani because otherwise the payroll could go out of control. So the Angels are in a very tough position. The Cubs are not in that tough a position. Because when the free agent who you want is not yours, you get to just have, as matter-of-factly, contingent plans. Here's the payroll. Here's where our goal is. Here's the players who fit into that. And if we don't get player X, then we're willing to allocate resources to players Y and Z. However, if it ends up being players Y and Z, we're not going to go over this dollar amount just because we didn't get our first choice. That's what separates great GMs from mediocre GMs and great successful owners 
from bad ones. What separates greatness from mediocrity is not pivoting because you didn't get what you want and pretending you want what you get. Pivoting is something that we saw the Giants do a lot of. When they didn't get Judge, they went right to Correa. When they didn't get Correa, they went right to Conforto. It's like burning a hole in your pocket in a casino with cash and you decide that, oh, I'm not going to play blackjack because that's my game. I'm ready for that, but there's people at the table. Hey, look, I'll just go play pie gal poker. You don't do that. So Jed Hoyer is the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, and they've been in the news so much including yesterday when they took Craig Council from Milwaukee and signed him to that outrageous managerial deal. Meanwhile, on a side note, if Council, Coca, this is not part of the show, but if Council thought that taking the Cubs job was what he should do in order to keep his kids in school in Milwaukee and keep his ties to Milwaukee, he may have miscalculated how angry and upset people in Milwaukee are. I'm not saying you should deface the signs of parks that have Craig Council Park and write a double S on it. Don't ever deface public property. It's for kids. Let them play baseball. But I'm just throwing it out there that you're not getting any parades. You're not getting any chamber of commerce speeches. You're not going back to Milwaukee and going to Sally's and saying, hey, I'm back. How's it going? What's the flavor of the day at Cops? Not happening. Anyway, so Jed Hoyer talked about counsel a little bit. And he said, it just felt like an exceptionally hard decision, but one that I felt like I had to make if the opportunity was there. And he's talking about firing David Ross after he hired Craig Council, telling you that the opportunity didn't exist, that Craig Council wanted to be a cub until it did, and that's when he got rid of Ross. It's so disingenuous of Jed to say that. Do you think Craig Council just called up Jed Hoyer one day? And there's articles being written about how it happened, and they're making sure that they control that narrative very well. Do you think it just so happened that, hey, Craig Council said, I've got an idea. I think I'll leave Milwaukee for Chicago. Let me see if Jed's interested. You don't think that Craig Council's agent, who had the whole statement yesterday, who knew that Craig Council wanted $8 million, knew the Mets weren't going to go to 8 knew he didn't want to leave the Milwaukee-Chicago area, the Midwest area. You think that it just so happened that they stumbled upon the Cubs at the last minute? I'll either stay in Milwaukee or maybe let's try the Cubs. One last shot. It's ridiculous. So poor Jed Hoyer, he can't talk about his team. He can't talk about anything other than what happened with his manager choice. And that's exactly what you don't want to be doing. It's much better when you can just talk about like what Farhan gets to talk about. Farhan Zaidi is the president of the San Francisco Giants, the aforementioned Giants. He gets to tell you that everybody needs pitching. Yes, we do tell our GMs to say certain things, and that's a good one. You heard a bunch of them talk about run prevention yesterday. David Stearns did that. We're really focused on run prevention. I can't believe it. I look back on 18 years sometimes, Coca, and I can't imagine what was in my head thinking that anyone would actually believe anything we were saying because it sounds so ridiculous. 
yet everyone needs it. They're waiting for the next tweet about the next comment that is said by anyone in position of power in sports as though somehow it's Muhammad coming off the mountain and having this important thing to say. And it's so silly, if not downright stupid. Everybody needs pitching. Everybody really wants young pitching. Yes, that's very good. Thank you, Farhan. Let's see. What else? David Stearns. I think this is important that he says. I think Steve, this is David Stearns talking at the GM meetings. I think Steve, Steve Cohn, has proven he's willing to invest in talent. I don't know about that. He's certainly proven he's willing to have a high payroll. This is an organization that's proven it's willing to invest in talent, and we're not going to shy away from that. I've said this at my opening press conference, and I'll continue to say it. We need to find the right time to do it. Fabulous. That's what you tell your GM to say when you're not going to get any of the big free agents. When you're expected to sign every free agent, you go out and you talk about your young players. You talk about the timing. You talk about having pinpoint precision in when you pounce. The three Ps, pinpoint, precision, pouncing, four Ps. Make sure you tell our fans in New York, we can't do it with every player. We can't do it in every offseason. This is still Stearns talking. There are going to be points where we get really aggressive because we think it's the right time, right opportunity, right player. Quick question. As an audience of Nothing Personal, now that we've been around for 928 regular shows, when you hear someone talk about that, do you immediately say to yourself, hold on, the right time, the right opportunity, the right player. We know that there's great players available every year. We know that we get seduced by today's free agent, but today's free agent becomes tomorrow's bum. And tomorrow's free agent becomes you gotta have. We all feel that as fans. What have you done for me lately? If your GM actually ran the team waiting for the right opportunity, waiting for the right player at the right time, you'd be waiting always because there's never the exact right opportunity with the right player at the right time because there's always another one. And if you're waiting to hit it dead on, spot on, you're just going to run in place. And if you are the New York Mets with a payroll in the 300s, the top payroll in baseball, I'm not sure I understand what the right opportunity and the right player and the right time is unless all of a sudden the tax benefits from owning the team and the investments you want to make outside of baseball and whatever else is happening in the market and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I don't want to lose $50 million in cash every year. I don't want to lose $100 million of cash every year. I don't care how rich I am. I've built up my fan base to expect me to sign everybody at every time. I've got to retrain them. David Stearns is in the process of retraining all Mets fans, telling them don't expect Steve to be filled with irrational exuberance. Right time, right player, right opportunity is for 25 teams who build, have a window, and then it closes. Do you think the Dodgers or the Yankees have a right time, right player, right opportunity? No. And neither do the Mets. And for him to try to convince you otherwise, it's laughable. And don't get fooled. All right. Let's take a break, Coca. 
let's we got to review the new movie on Apple, and then I want to talk about Adam Silver. He's having a moment. He's pretty happy the GM meetings are happening, the NFL is happening in Frankfurt, because every time you read about Adam Silver, it's just not good. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca, coming to you live from Los Angeles. We have 13 minutes left in today's show. We'll be doing Levitard Live at 9 a.m. Eastern from this amazing studio <laughs> where it's very, very early and very, very dark. That said, thank you for joining us. We are extremely thankful for your time. But manifest that appreciation of what we do by hitting the subscribe button on the Nothing Person with David Sampson YouTube channel and by just telling your friends about what we're doing. So no matter where I'm flying or what I'm doing, although when you're flying, it's way easier. I watch a movie every day. I was excited when a new movie came out on Apple the other day called Fingernails with two actors who I love, Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed. If you don't know who Riz Ahmed is, then you haven't listened to some of our shows. He's been in two fabulous movies. He was, just go see Sound of Metal. Let's just stop there. He was also in a really good limited series. So this is a movie about love, and you know that that is my favorite subject. And it's a movie where love and baseball cross over. And I don't mean like Bull Durham or for love of the game. I'm talking about analytics. Owen, strike that, 4869. Luke Wilson has a business where if you get tested, you can find out whether or not the love of your life is the love of your life in this sort of dystopic society where they rip off your fingernail. They never explain why, by the way, but they rip off your fingernail and they test your fingernail. And they are able to take two fingernails of two people and say you are in love with that person or you're not. And if the two people are both in love with each other, you score 100. 
but there's a chance that a couple comes in thinking they're in love. They take the test and it turns out they're not in love or one of them's not in love, but the one of them's lying. Can you imagine? So this is a offshoot of liar, liar of what women want. It's an offshoot of if the inside voices would just be outside and you had to tell the truth in your relationship, your insecurities, your concerns, your worries. And if there's no match in terms of feelings, then the relationship ends and you move on to the next one, which would be brilliant. Think about all that for all of us in all relationships. If there were total honesty in relationships, it would save so much time. And time is something that is running out for all of us. I can't believe I wasted two years with you and you never liked me. Or I can't believe you don't like how I kiss, whatever the case may be. So this movie goes through this woman, Jessie Buckley, and she has two loves. And the question is, can you have two loves? Can you be in love with two people? Or are you really only in love with one of them? The end of fingernails and the decision that's made and the test results that happen. Is there free will? Could the test be wrong? The test that's perfect. Is it possible that your feelings or the things that you want to feel can overtake what is the reality that you do feel? Can you will it into existence? Or do you not need to because the whole thing is hogwash? Great acting, great interesting story. And better than that, if you watch it with a partner, loved one, or even by yourself, just talk about it afterwards and talk about what happens. I was able to talk about it afterwards and just think about what it means. I think you'll enjoy it. It's called Fingernails. I don't want to tell you what I'm picturing right now, but every time I say fingernails, I think fingernails on a chalkboard and it, and it makes me squirmish, squeamish and squirm. And every time I see Adam Silver's name recently, I, I am feeling for him in a way, not because he's John Skipper's good friend, not because he's the commissioner of basketball having taken over for David Stern. I feel for him because what he's up against now, trying to explain to you why the in-season tournament is so important, trying to deal with LeBron James and his complaints over the referees. Did you see that, LeBron? He went crazy when the Lakers lost to the Heat. The NBA does this two-minute report where they talk to you about calls made in the last two minutes and how there were no incorrect calls in the Heat-Lakers game where the Lakers lost by one. And LeBron James said, I don't know what you're talking about. He tweeted this to his gazillion followers. He said, it's not about the last two minutes. It's about the entire game. So why would you only do a report of the last two minutes? He's totally right. Although we always say in the NBA, you only need to watch the last two minutes because that's when it matters. But that's sort of like saying that all that matters in baseball is, you know, the last is September. It's not true. You've got to win games in April. In basketball, you want to win games early. And what happens in the first quarter also matters. Although there are runs by both teams, I, I hear you, yada, yada. But LeBron's point was, hey, listen, start examining the entire game. And he's not wrong. But that's not even the worst part that Adam Silver is dealing with. The worst part that he's dealing with at the moment is that he's got the TV negotiations where he's got to piece together what he wants to be, which you've heard us talk about with John Skipper. You've heard it on Nothing Personal. He'd like to hit a triple, get three times the amount they've been getting, trying to figure out how to cobble it together and making changes in the game in order to achieve his goal. And we 
did a show about load management and the different rules. 65 games are required to be played if you're going to win MVP or get an all-NBA honor, any postseason award. And that's critical because a lot of these contracts that are being signed, these quote-unquote max extensions, the collective bargaining agreement calls for escalators in those deals if you are all-NBA, as an example. Remember the whole John Morant thing? We assume John Morant had all that money, but it turns out John Morant really needed to be all NBA to maximize the amount of money he was going to get and then sued the guy who we got in the fight with. Remember that whole story? And part of it was lost wages because I was not all NBA because I was suspended or because people hate me because I brandish firearms. Anyway, so this stuff matters. So Adam Silver changes the rule thinking that's what we're going to do. Players are going to play more. And then the first week of the season, people are resting left, right, and center. And then he changed the fact that he can fine owners, not players, but owners for resting players during national TV games because you want to deliver your best players, your best matchups on national TV. All of that is going on. Now he's making changes to the All-Star game. The All-Star game is going to be Eastern Conference versus Western Conference again. No more of the awkward draft with LeBron and Giannis drafting players and us saying, oh, look, LeBron drafted Anthony Davis. He probably wants him to be a Laker. Oh, look, this guy was the last pick. The reason why the union doesn't like that draft is none of the union members enjoyed being the last pick. So they said to their union, hey, listen, enough of this draft. Let's go back to Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and Adam Silver loved the idea and wants it. He wants a competitive game because his All-Star game is better than the Pro Bowl, which is an absolute joke, but not nearly as good as Major League Baseball All-Star game. And so he wants the NBA All-Star game to be this destination weekend where people care about the slam dunk contest, where they get stars like Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan to do it again or Muggsy Bogues, Spud Webb. They care about the three-point contest and you get people like Bird doing it. Now you need a program to know who's in the slam dunk or three-point contest. To do it, you need to motivate players to participate with money. And then for All-Star Game, you bring it back to East versus West. So Adam Silver announces all this and everything's fine. But then Chris Paul spoke up. Chris Paul, you know, is his involvement with the union. Chris Paul is the new bench player for the Golden State Warriors. That's not the team he's on, is it? I'm totally blanking, Coca. In any case, Chris Paul, you're about to tell me, Coca. Yes, he is outstanding. He's on the Warriors. Chris Paul said the following, and I just wanted you to think about it as we're closing the show here before I give you my picks. I just want you to hear Chris Paul. Adam Silver is saying to the guys, hey, listen, we want you to play hard during the All-Star game. We want it to matter to you. We're not going to go the Bud Selig route, and we're not going to make it count to say home field advantage, home court advantage at the end of the season to the conference who wins the All-Star game. We're not going to do it that way. But we'd like you to play a real game, play some defense. Chris Paul says, and this is according to Adam Silver, Chris Paul basically said to Adam Silver, you want us to care about the game. You tell us how important the game is, but then you change all of the pregame protocols so that we don't get to go through our typical routines as we would before a game. We have these elaborate introductions, and then we have an extended halftime. 
and you expect us to have a normal game and play hard when we've got strange extended introductions and we're off our pregame routine? So Adam Silver had to say, I take responsibility for that. We're sending mixed signals. If we want guys to treat this, the All-Star game, like a real game, and again, this is not about finals intensity, it's just a fun game. But, Adam Silver said, if we want players to treat it that way, we have to treat it that way. And so, this is what Silver said, and so it means that the pregame introductions have to be a little shorter, and halftime's gonna have to be a little bit more typical. And we're going to start that this year in Indianapolis. I, can you help me, please? Anybody out there listening? Are you suggesting that it's hard to play when you're being introduced by people in Las Vegas style outfits with feathers and tight outfits? Or are you suggesting that when halftime is 22 minutes instead of 15 minutes, that all of a sudden you don't know when to eat your goo or granola bar? Are you suggesting that you will play better defense if you know that pregame you will get to take your last layup line exactly three minutes before tip-off? I can't. I, I can't even take it seriously. It's so ridiculous that a player would say that. And this is not David. You're not a player. You've never been a player. Yeah, I've been around players enough. Come on, Chris. Be better. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you see we won last night? No basketball games, no football games. We were looking at the hockey slate. We are now, are we 1-0 in hockey this season? We may be 2-0 in hockey. We had the Rangers over the Red Wings. The Rangers prevailed. We are 162-164. and Hell yeah. Let's talk about tonight as the NBA gets back into action. The NBA was off yesterday because Adam Silver said, hey, I have an idea, go vote. And I love that. I think that you can both vote and go to a game. I think that there is time before work or after work. I love that. I don't think you need to not, you know, now you don't have school. It's a, it's a holiday. I get it. You, I've talked to you a lot about how important a lecture day is. I don't know you need to make it so there's no games, but I digress. Tonight, we've got the Sixers and Celtics playing. Two teams, very interesting. The James Harden experiment in Philadelphia is over. The James Harden experiment in Los Angeles is just starting with the Clippers. The $300 million man, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics with Porzingis, Tatum, and no Marcus Smart. The Sixers are hot. The Celtics are good. They lost their first game to the T-Wolves. This is a great rivalry. And it makes me smile. It, it makes me sad in some ways in that it was Sixers-Celtics so often when I was growing up and all I wanted it to be was Knicks. Get involved there, Knicks. Make it like a threesome atop of the, the old Atlantic division that we can really be competitive. But Sixers-Celtics is worth watching, and the Sixers are getting points at home against the Celtics. And the reason I like taking the points is Embiid is going to play. Once you're undefeated, you feel like you're not going to lose, but then you lose your first game. Pretty easy to lose your second game after that. You sort of lost that edge, and you can go on sort of a... It's like when you give up a hit after throwing no-hit innings for six innings, and then you give up three hits in a row. I think the Celtics are primed to lose again. I don't know why the Sixers are getting points at home, but we're taking the Sixers at home plus one and a half against the Celtics. All right, this is our first show from the exciting new set of Metal Arc in Los Angeles. Thank you for your time. And guess what? 
We'll do it again tomorrow because it's just business. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.